Good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday. It's Halloween, Friday, October 31st, 2014. This week is episode 345. We're coming to you from the IAQ Training, IAQ Radio World Headquarters in Central City, Pennsylvania. And here with me at the controls is Frank Zappa Amata. Say hello, Frank. All right, Frank's not a real talkative guy. We'll get him to talk a little more. But anyway, uh, also joining me from the Keys Rocks is my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Good afternoon, everybody. It's always our pleasure, Joe. Great, Cliff. How do we sign, buddy? Sound good. Sound good. Good, good. Frank's got, he's working on some things here that are going to make things very interesting. All right. Before we get started, though, let's thank our marquee sponsors. You got the sponsor clip there. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at Clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com, and C-M-M-Online.com. We'd like to welcome as our newest marquee sponsors, IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscription information is available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio, you inquire about their services and products. Okay, of course, you can download shows by going to our website, iaqradio.com. There's a link there that says go to show. That'll take you to the Talk Shoe website where you can either stream or download shows. And, of course, you can get them from iTunes. We also have continuing education credits available. Email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. We'll get you out of quiz and get you set up with the continuing ed program. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio Halloween trivia question. prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. So, hello, clap, clap, clap. Hey, Crozot. <laughs> Broadcast Metal Products, Mars PA, for providing PB and HG as the symbols for lead and mercury on the periodic table. The IQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, October 31st, 2014, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training certification, standards, and events. 
Their website is www.trsca.org. Now for this week's IAQ Radio trivia question. What is the phobia for fear of Halloween known as? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. Listen, we've got a, um, we're going to try something a little different today. We're going to have a kind of open mic situation. We've got the global watchdog for the restoration industry joining us here. I think John Lapotere is going to join us in a moment. And, you know, to, to set things up, Cliff picked a little music for today, special for today. It's, it's over a week now, although the meetings were spread out quite a bit. And, and you were um, first up, I guess, with the IICRCA. I don't think a lot of people are familiar with that. It's the uh, Council of Associations, okay? Um, and the, it's, it's the wait, let me get it right, Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Council of Associations. So as I understand it, we're, we're looking at a group that is more of a trade group to assist the smaller regional and, and actually some other larger national associations working together to better the industry. Cliff, anything you want to add on that? And then if you wouldn't mind, could you update our listeners on where we're at with that? Well, no, I, I think that you got it correct, Joe. I think that for many years, uh, people have thought that the industry, uh, it, you know, cleaning and restoration and inspection was somewhat fragmented. But I believe the mission of the Council of Associations is really much bigger. And it really incorporates much more than cleaning, inspection, and restoration. I mean, if I was going to, if I was charged with the responsibility of, of developing a logo for it, I, I'd probably have something that looked like the Nike swoosh upside down. And by that, it would look like a roof, like a pitched roof. And I think that really the council takes into account pretty much everything that's under the roof of a building. It doesn't matter whether it's structural materials, doesn't matter whether it's building materials, doesn't matter whether it's you know, heating, ventilation, air conditioning system, the air that's in the building, the, furnish, the furnishings, the occupants. And what they've, what they've done is really, it's really an association of associations. So what they're trying to do is get associations to join and bring along with them uh, their membership. You know, and, and some of these organizations, as you know, are, are huge, uh, you know, such as ASHRAE. Uh, and now with, you know, the, the merger of, you know, ASHRAE and IAQA, uh, a lot of people there, Joe. Uh, what, what happened was there was an election uh, for directors. Uh, I was really flattered that I was one of the people that was nominated. You know, I accepted the nomination. We had an election. Uh, and uh, 
you know, I was one of the people that was elected to the board. The board then met, determined the, the limits uh, of the terms. We've actually had two full board meetings. I think one of the things that I like about it, and it's a little bit different from IICRC, is that in this situation, there's no funding that comes from the organization for people to attend meetings or anything like that. Everything is funded by the groups and or the individuals. There are a couple of individuals uh, that were selected to uh, fill some slots on that board of directors. Um, uh, the association hired a professional uh, executive, uh, a man by the name of Maury Osley. He's really had a lot of experience in the industry. He happens to be located in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where the headquarters uh, is. The IICRCA shares the headquarters with the IICRC uh, in their beautiful uh, office building in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. The primary focus of the IICRCA is providing a wide range of member benefits. And I guess the best way to look at it is the IICRC has approximately uh, close to 6,000 or a little bit more than 6,000 people who fall into a classification called certified firm. These certified firms meet certain criteria. They have insurance. They have to have certain uh, credentialing, they have to have certain numbers of technicians or a commitment to have all of their technicians on staff certified and, and so on and so forth. And they really want to provide benefits for that group. Uh, the first benefit that was provided was an affiliation with a group called BizUnite. And BizUnite is a business savings company. And what they do is they uh, obtain discounts from suppliers such as WW Granger. They have discounts on uh, you know, payroll services. They have discounts on uh, you know, credit card processing. I mean, just a really, really long list. Another one of the newer benefits is a scholarship program. The IICRC has set aside quite a large fund of money for scholarships. And what these scholarships are for is anyone is entitled to, to get one. Uh, and what they're for is to attend uh, an, uh, an approved training course. This could be an IICRC course or some other course that would be approved. And uh, this fund is going to be utilized on a first-come, first-serve uh, basis. Uh, another thing that they've done is the IICRCA will hold trade shows and exhibits in conjunction with both the Restoration Industry Association. Uh, they'll be uh, at the Rio, uh, pretty much falling into the same uh, number of days that the RIA will be there. They'll have a separate exhibit area. And they're also going to be doing something similar with the ISSA in 2015 as well with, uh, with their event. So that's pretty much all the news that there is in regards to the IICRCA, Joe. Right now, that council of association. So the busy night thing gets my interest because you and I have worked with Triska for years, the tri-state restorers and specialty cleaners, and it's tough to get that, you know, that nice package of benefits that you'd like to present to people. And I know IAQA, I'm on their membership committee as well, and they're looking for ways to, you know, to make the membership more valuable to people. How is that something that that we have to sign up as Triska? 
to get or IAQA to get or are members of Triska or members of IAQA able to avail themselves of those benefits? I, I, think, well, I think it's going to go both ways, Joe. Uh, currently, uh, certified firms uh, you know, can sign up uh, for that program. One of the things that the Council of Associations is trying to do is also develop uh, benefits for their individual members. So it's about you know sharing me- sharing benefits, uh, sharing services. You know, I- I'd like to see, and I-, and I actually had a couple of ideas that I think that they're looking at. You know, one is proposing a directory. You know, for instance, we know that uh, our friend Carl Grimes lives out in Colorado. We know Carl's an indoor air quality you know inspector and uh, you know consultant. And, you know, what happens if he needs a carpet cleaning company out there? What happens if he needs a restoration company or a duct cleaner or, or someone to remediate falling Ebola or, or something like that? Where is he going to go? And, you know, between uh, associations uh, that, are, that are currently involved with the Council of Associations, you know, there are hundreds or thousands of, of people in all these various categories literally located all over the world, so it would be pretty simple, you know, to develop a, a directory of uh, of service providers. Uh, also, uh, one of the things that I proposed was every association that's a member of the council also has, or, or generally is going to have educational sessions. A lot of times, they will also have a trade show, and I thought that it would be a nice benefit to. Uh, have some sort of reciprocity between all of the members uh, of the council that, uh, you know, for instance, a Triska member could attend, uh, you know, world floor covering event uh, and, and get a discount, the same discount that would be given to their members and vice versa. You know, restoration people are always looking to diversify. You know, one of the uh, council members is uh, a house cleaning organization that you know, provides mount, uh, uh, house cleaning, maid services, uh, specialty cleaning services, custodial services, so on and so forth. And you know, if you want to explore and you want to learn about you know, another field that you could diversify in, uh, that opportunity is there as well. So all these things are in the works. Pretty exciting times, Joe. Well, let me, so that members get an idea, there's a pretty impressive board of directors that was elected to this organization. And, um, I mean, I can think of a few. You mentioned one, Carl Grimes, I know, is on there. And I know uh, Scott Armour is uh, pretty well known in the IAQA world. He was elected. I know Sonny Bass is on there. Brian O'Halleck is the president. Uh, is there a few others you could mention that I think people know a lot of these guys? Uh, Jeremy Reitz, uh, a lot of people may know him from you know the drying industry. Um, let's see, uh, Jack White. Uh, Jack White's with Rainbow International. He represents a franchise group. Uh, and you mentioned Sonny Bass. Sonny's with Paul Davis, representing another franchise group. And, you know, when you just look at the, you know, the franchises have hundreds or thousands of, of, uh, of franchisees. Uh, there's a fellow by the name of Joe Kowalski. Uh, what, what's interesting is Joe's business, he has a company called Service Monster. He's really an, uh, really an expert on uh, internet marketing and uh, blogging and all, all all that young people stuff that uh, I have a tendency not to understand very well. But uh, Joe's a really, really bright guy. And what's very interesting is Joe uh, has an affiliation with uh, the IICRC that most people would have never thought of. 
he actually married Ed York's granddaughter, believe it or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for those of you that may be in the cleaning business, you've heard of a, customy, a, cust- or a company called Hydromaster. There was a fellow by the name of Steve Brandt. Uh, Steve was long time. Uh, he had a company called Steam Services. He was Ed's son-in-law. And uh, then he moved over to Hydromaster. So uh, Joe Kowalski's got a pretty deep pedigree in the uh, cleaning and, and restoration industry. A fellow by the name of Jim Pearson. Uh, Jim has real strong roots in restoration, cleaning, and uh, indoor air quality. Uh, Care of the S522, I believe. Yeah, fellow by the name of Craig Jasper, who many people may know. Uh, you know, Craig's also on the board. Um, CRC guys, Tony Wheelwright, Daryl Paulson, I see. Um, right. John, John Lapotere posted the link there. I think uh, Joe Kowalski, I think you mentioned him. Just want to make sure I got everybody. Uh, Sonny Bass, we mentioned. Uh, Bruce Vance, did you mention Bruce? Uh, I mentioned what Bruce does. Bruce okay. is with the uh, the specialty, you know, the maid service, custodial specialty cleaning people. Uh, that's who he represents. And uh, right. now the ICRCA uh, has courses uh, in that subject matter now. And we got Brett Miller from, I think that's the National Wood Flooring Association. Correct. Great. What, a, what an interesting group of people. Looking forward to hearing more as time goes on, Cliff. Let's move over to the IICRC for a minute here. Um, I I was at the IICRC meetings. I, I got been on the board now a year, hard to believe. And um, we had a very, you know, I got to say, overall, one of the nice things, the things that impresses me the most is the, uh, the fact that they allow people to sit in on the board meeting, anybody who wants to, there's chairs in the back. They, they can sit there through the whole meeting. Of course, when we go into executive session over personnel issues or legal, uh, we've got to do executive session. But, but everything's done out in the open. I, I think that's, um, that's very impressive to me, having been on uh, you know, other boards. I, you know, and, and it's known, and people show up. They sit there for two days. And, and they contribute as needed. A uh, couple of past presidents and past board members were in the audience, and they contributed. I, I know Ed Hobbs was there. He had a couple uh, very important you know, comments and also historical perspective that he brought to the meeting that was very helpful for new people. Now, the other thing is we, they had the election this year, um, and it's kind of different how the election occurs. There are shareholders of the IICRC. I believe there's 16 associations like Triska and, and others. Um, and then there's the uh, three individual shareholders, and then they all vote on the new board members. And there was a, a slate of board people that had been nominated, and then we had the voting, etc. And, and I was very pleased to see that uh, Peter Croso was reelected. Peter's a, an insurance guy that um, has been an insurance adjuster, adjuster for years, and now he helps restoration people learn about uh, that, you know, how to connect with those types of people. Real happy to see uh, Dr. Steven Spivak was elected to the IICRC board. Uh, Craig Jasper was reelected. Let's see who else was there. Um, Of course, we had, oh, um, I should have put this name up, Steve from Colorado, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm leaving out his last name there, but Steve was elected as well. And then, um, 
Oh, uh, Pat Moffitt. And Pat, by the way, is another guy that's on the IICRCA board uh, that was elected. Also, uh, we had um, a an honorary board position available, and Dr. Randy Rapp from Purdue is now an honorary board member, and he sit, sat in for both days. It was great to have him uh, along with the, you know all the others that are, are there helping out and you know trying to row things in the right direction. I've seen great improvement um, at the IICRC. They really seem to be headed in the right direction, and, and a lot of that has to do with the leadership. Uh, Tony Wheelwright, I think, has done a great job there. He seems to be headed in the right path. Um, Norm Mayer, I want to mention Norm because a lot of people don't know of Norm and don't, don't really know who he is, but Norm's been instrumental in, in making sure that the organization is on sound financial footing, but also uh, working with the governance committee and, and helping to ensure that we're, we're legally signed as well. Uh, Norm's out of the Toronto area doing a great job. Uh, Pete Duncanson is uh, on the executive committee. He was reelected as first vice president. And uh, he's done a really good job of helping to update the education and instructors in schools committees. And um, I, I got to say, there was some great progress made at this meeting on those two committees. Um, education has been actually chaired by Joy Finch, a friend of ours from Greenville Tech. Um, they're, they're changing the policies to reflect best practices in the education world as opposed to um, just what, you know, the insular kind of cleaning and restoration industry had done for years and years. Uh, they're starting to branch out and look into colleges and how colleges uh, run their programs, whether they have uh, educational programs or certificate programs versus certifications. All that's still being worked on, but it's 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 going well, and I, and I just want people to uh, recognize that I think things are really moving forward and with the registrants in mind. It's always on the forefront of the minds of the people that speak at these meetings is, you know, what's best for the registrants. So good stuff. Um, we also hired a new exams director, which is a, a fantastic uh, achievement, I believe. It's going to help consolidate. Uh, the exam revision process under one person so that some of the older exams that, uh, you know, we've got, I don't know how many different certifications, many over in the 20s at least, and, and those exams need revised on a regular basis, and it's tough to get uh, volunteers to put in the type of time necessary to revise these exams and then to verify that they are from an appropriate reference and that they're written appropriately so that we do the psychometrics, psychometrics on them. Um, very good to see the new exams director in, along with, of course, Millie Washington, who's the standards director, who's done a, a tremendous job on that. Let me just stop there for a minute, Cliff, see if you had any other comments or if you want me to go and do a quick standards update. No, um, thanks, Joe. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Do the standards because we're getting close to halftime. All right, let's finish the, the update on that with the standards because I think that's what a lot of people are interested in is where are we on these standards. And, um, you know, we, we all know IICRC had a little hiccup with ANSI, but um, that seems to be being ironed out. Let's, let's talk first about the S100. That's the standard and reference guide for carpet cleaning. Uh, that one was uh, under public review from February to April. There was a second public review from August 1st to August 31st in 2014. The consensus body responded to all those comments. 
and the consensus body voted to approve the standard and reference guide. So it's been approved at the IICRC level. Now the standard has been submitted to ANSI, the American National Standards Institute, for their final approval, and they will conduct a special audit of the S-100, as I understand it, later this year. And that's, um, that's good news. It will hopefully get us over that hump with ANSI and, and let these other standards that are in the pipeline start to go through. Uh, we've got the S-210. That's the reference guide, standard and reference guide for the dimensional stone maintenance. Um, that one is just kind of getting along here. I won't spend any time on that one. We've got the S220 standard for hard surface floor covering inspection. That one just got a pins number. Again, that one's going to be forming, and, and what they're looking for is uh, good committee members for those two particular standards. Then we've got the uh, S300. That's the professional upholstery cleaning. Uh, Ed Hobbs took on chairmanship of that. Uh, they're still accepting applications there. And then we've got the two big ones that people are interested in. The S500, that's the standard and reference guide for professional water damage restoration. That one has been through, let's see, the first public review was March 29 through May 13 of 2013. Second public review, December 2013 to January 20, 2013. And the third public review, August 1st to 31st. And, and all the comments have been submitted, and they've been reviewed, they've been addressed by the consensus body, and they're actually considering making some uh, additional changes. And, and so there, there's a good chance, I believe, there will be a fourth round of public review on the S-500. I, think, I know some people may be a little disappointed by that, that it's not bound and out, but I think, you know, Cliff, you and I have talked about this before. That's a good thing. I mean, let's get it, get it done, get it right, um, and, and make sure that everything is on sound footing before it goes back out to, you know, the industry at large to, to use in their practices. The next one is the S520. That's the professional mold remediation standard. Uh, the public review on that standard was over August 19th. Um, they've been meeting on that weekly and reviewing the comments and getting back to the commenters. Um, they're now working on consensus body member comments. Uh, it will be put out again for a second round of public review, it looks like, and then peer review and a um, consensus body approval ballot after all the comments in the public review and peer review have been addressed. So that one, again, is also still working its way through the process, but it should be a much better standard in the end by going through this process. And then we've got a couple other miscellaneous ones. There's one that, um, this one actually could be a big one, the reference guide for trauma and crime scene, biological and infectious hazard cleanup. They've had bi-monthly meetings, but I don't think we're anywhere near putting out uh, a um, draft on that one. In fact, they're still getting drafts from the committee chapter chairs, I believe it is. And then the S600, uh, that one is uh, the public review, uh, and the CB final approval ballot was closed on July 28th, um, and that one is still going through some, some additional review. Uh, the CB wasn't quite united, I don't think, on that one, so they're going to kind of work on that and work on the uh, appeals that may come up from that one. And if you want more detail on that one, send me an email. I'll get you a, a copy of it. Uh, the, the position at this point in time. And then the S-800, um, that's the big one, you know, that is done. It's complete. It's published. Standard and reference guide are available for purchase in the EPUB format. 
Uh, you can download it on mobile devices, print PDF, web PDF. Millie's got it coming out in every way you can imagine. Uh, she's done a great job as far as making sure that we're, we're connecting with the younger generation and also making the standard more um, readily available for people when they're, say, on a job site. And you need to, you can pull it up on your phone and look and say, okay, right here in this section is what it says. And uh, I think that's going to be a big, have a big impact. We're looking at a subscription model for the standard. So I think there's a lot of good things happening there. Cliff, anything you want to comment on before we uh, thank our sponsors and come back with the open round? No, let's, uh, I've got a couple of items uh, after halftime that I'd like to mention, but uh, let's go to halftime. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring on John Lapletere. We're going to bring on Pete Consigli and kind of do a little roundtable. But first, we'll let Cliff get a couple more highlights in here, and then we'll take it from there. Frank, let's go to halftime. Thanks to our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. Thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at Don. J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. We'd like to welcome as our newest marquee sponsors, IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscription information is available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back to the second half of our interview today. Let's let's we don't even it's not an interview, it's a current events and uh, industry update. And Cliff, I want to take it back to you because I know you wanted to mention something. Yeah, I just have I have two, Joe. Uh, I, I want the listeners to know that on November eleventh, twenty fourteen, at ten a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, the Restoration Industry Association is going to host a virtual town hall meeting. And this is to discuss details of its patent lawsuit with Thermapure Inc. and su- subsequent settlement. And if anyone wants to uh, get a seat for that, uh, th- th- there's a way to do it. Uh, and if anyone wants to submit a question, 
uh, in advance. Uh, there's a way to do that as well. And rather than just mentioning it on the air, just read the blog. I'll have the information uh, in my blog on how to either submit a question or uh, listen to the interview. Uh, next week we have really, really uh, a heavyweight guest. We have uh, Dr. Alan Zelikoff, MD. Uh, you may want to Google this guy. It's A-L-A-N is his first name. The last name is Z-E-L-I-C-O-F-F. -F. Uh, he's an expert on infectious disease. And uh, we're going to talk to him about Ebola. And, uh, you know, if any of you have any questions, just go ahead and text them in on what you'd like to know about Ebola. Uh, you know, some of the things on my mind is if we're going to remediate, you know, must we sterilize? Uh, what do remediation workers need to be concerned about? You know, uh, and, uh, you know, can we be confident in CDC's guidelines? And the big one for me is can Ebola be spread by a sneeze? And, uh, some pretty heavy things to, to think about. So I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to Dr. Zelikoff uh, again next week. As last time I think we had him on, uh, we discussed flu virus, you know, when we had the big crisis with flu. So Yeah, the H1N1 deal. Right. And he's great. He's, he's excellent. In fact, I heard recently I referred a couple of listeners back to his um, show on H1N1. They loved it, thought it was excellent. He's an excellent uh, speaker and, and very knowledgeable, and uh, on top of that, he's a doctor, so, you know, that's great news. Uh, and, and one of the things you mentioned, I, I want to go, there's two of them. One is RIA. Um, they also joined the Council of Associations there, I believe, recently, which is great news. I think RIA, and we'll ask Pete uh, Consigli to say a few words in a minute on that. Uh, because I, I think it's good to see RIA and IICRC and the Council of Associations all working together here. This is this is the way we can move this industry forward. Um, the other thing is there's been a lot of talk on LinkedIn about this whole Ebola thing and the cleanup of Ebola and so on. And I know there's a lot of interest on that topic. And in fact, after the show, I got to talk to Cliff about a, a hospital, a pretty prestigious hospital that wants some kind of scope of work a scope for cleaning rooms after Ebola patients leave or uh, even cleaning, say, for instance, an emergency room where, you know, you know that you had a patient. Um, and, and Cliff, have you been doing any research on that at all? I'm curious. Um, I've actually had some conversations, actually, with, uh, uh, with Dr. Zelikoff about it. You know, kind of texted back and forth, and uh, uh, it's, you know, kind of interesting. So, okay. yeah, I've done some. Um, I'm still doing more every day, but I've done some. I've been watching it a little um, with respect to some of the, the disinfecting because obviously that's a huge issue, you know, and, and especially for our listeners who do that type of work. And, and at this point, what I've seen is um, even a large, let's say, large franchise group, they're a little afraid to touch it at this point until they get a little more definitive guidance from either EPA or CDC or whomever. I think we're getting it out slowly but surely. I mean, I've seen people using. If you watch some of the video from you know from Africa, they're using a lot of uh, a lot of bleach uh, disinfectants, and I'm not sure if that's you know. Then you get the difference between a, a spore and a non-spore. I don't know all that terminology virus um, it's kind of interesting do you know anything about that clip whether the 
No, I, I do, I, I do, and I, I think that it's, it's I, I think that there's some similarity to AIDS. You know, when, um, you know, I think there was panic, I think, throughout the world and throughout the industry, you know, in dealing with people that had AIDS. And, uh, you know, people didn't want to get near them, people didn't want to touch them, how are we going to clean up? And we, we know that AIDS, that AIDS is uh, a deadly virus, and, you know, responsible and still is responsible for many, many fatalities. However, uh, the organism itself, the, you know, the you know the viral particles are actually, um, you, you know, they're not strong. They're not strong like bacterial spores. So actually, what Ebola is, it's actually, you know, you were talking about H1N1. Uh, what Ebola is is this EV dash D68. And EV stands for, uh, it's a non-enveloped virus. And what that really means is it's relatively easy to kill and that any hospital-grade disinfectant with an, EP, uh, an EPA label for multiple non-enveloped viruses such as norovirus, poliovirus, rhinovirus. So if you're using any disinfectant uh, that has uh, a claim, an efficacy claim for multiple non-enveloped viruses such as norovirus, poliovirus, rhinovirus, your disinfectant is going to be fine in terms of doing this. So I think there are many, many products that can be used. Uh, you know, certainly bleach is among them. Uh, you know, one of the issues with bleach is most people don't use it correctly. Uh, it can be destructive to materials. You know, one of the things that people don't realize is that if you use straight chlorine bleach, which is five and a quarter percent sodium hypochlorite, uh, you can actually get more efficacy with one part bleach, 49 parts water, if you are able to lower the pH with acetic acid or white vinegar uh, to less than five, it would be much, much more effective. So um, it, it shouldn't be that difficult. Talk way more about it next week. All right, let's do that, Cliff. And uh, before we uh, turn things over here, is there anything else on the on the current event list that, that you want to make sure we touched on before we bring in uh, the global restoration? Oh, you know, the other current event, and we talked a little bit about this, was IAQA and ASHRAE coming together. And, you know, that's been interesting. Um, I've had kind of mixed... Uh, mixed feedback from members, IAQA members. Some are very excited and see the, the big potential for working with ASHRAE, and others are a little worried about uh, kind of being uh, left in the dust and, and, and maybe losing some of their, uh, I don't know, uh, input into some of, their, uh, some, some of their effectiveness with respect to being a part of a much larger organization. Um, I... I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm on the membership committee, and I think uh, it's been so far very good. Uh, we've had a lot of interesting – I mean, I'll give you an example. This week, Kent Rawhauser, who we've had on the show, sent out an email, and they, um, they've expanded the ASHRAE uh, HBAC and R, I believe it is. They have a weekly e-digest that goes out. And it's excellent. I've, I've been an ASHRAE member for about 10 years, and that's one of the benefits I've really enjoyed. And now they're going to add all the IAQA members to that list, whether they're an ASHRAE member or not. I thought that was a good, a very good idea, and I think it's really going to help. Um, it's going to help the IAQA membership become more 
knowledgeable about what's going on in the HVAC and refrigeration industry. So that should be interesting. Cliff, anything you want to add before? Yeah, just just one correction. You know, I, I, I'm optimistic that RIA is going to join the council. I did call Mark Selvatelli this morning. I wanted to confirm whether or not it had happened as, uh, as yet, and I think it's imminent. I think it will. I'm optimistic that it's going to happen. It just doesn't. It hasn't happened yet, and I just wanted to make that minor correction. Appreciate that very much so. All right, let's get a couple friends on here, friends of the show. We've got John Lapleter. Hello, John. Do we have you? Let's get you unmuted. Yeah, I'm here. I think you can hear me. Got you, John. Great. And let's Great. let's get the uh, the global restoration industry watchdog, Pete Consigli. Pete, we have you on the line. Yeah, Joe. Pete. How are you guys doing? Great. Good to have you, gentlemen. Hey, let's let's start, Pete. We, we brought you on. Um, you, you were just brought on here. Any comments on the first half or on industry events in general? Well, let me, let me just uh, uh, follow up on the, the situation between RAA and IICRC that Cliff commented on. While he was talking to Mark, I, I was actually on the phone with Scott Stamper because I wanted to get the, you know, find out where it was from the association uh, standpoint, I had a comment on the show today, and what Scott told me was is that um, the I kind of agree with the essence of what Cook was saying that it's eminent, but it needs to be ratified by the board. And um, our, our next board meeting is uh, sometime in November, maybe two or three weeks. So uh, before we can uh, say that, but there's one one other also component, and I think that. Uh, leadership of both IICRC and Scott and the Executive Committee REA are talking about also uh, 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 having shareholder status in the Institute, and that's something that has to go through uh, the IICRC channels. So I, I think the bottom line is, is that the two organizations, through their MOU, uh, want to work more closely together, you know, for the benefit of the industry and to move forward, but, um, you know, it's a process. But uh, hopefully it's something that, uh, you know, will be able to be reported to the industry, you know, uh, in the near future. So, um, anyway, Scott, Scott uh, that's what I got from Scott earlier this morning and, uh, you know, pa- passing it on to you guys and, and to the listeners of the show. Let me, either one of you, help me out here. Um, RIA at one time was a shareholder of IICRC. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's correct. And at some point, there was a kind of a, I don't know, parting of the ways, let's say. Um, and um, now it looks like maybe we'll be able to bring things back together. Well, Joe, I mean, both Pete and I can comment, you know, on the parting of the ways. Um, I, you know, at the time that RIA was a member, um, the IICRC had a loyalty pledge. It was a written pledge, and essentially what it said was that your loyalty was going to be towards the IICRC. Your loyalty would not be to the organization whom you represented. And RIA uh, president at that time, Bill Warm, and RIA's uh, executive director at that time, Larry Jacobson, who you know, besides being uh, you know, a certified association executive, was also an attorney, um, 
you know, took issue with it. And that really was was, uh, was the reason. It was probably over a word or two that were in that document that um, RIA was uncomfortable with and IICRC was, uh, was unwilling to change. And, uh, you know, personally I felt that uh, RIA should have stayed, but, you know, that was just my feelings. And Pete may want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, essentially I agree with what Cliff said. Of course, back in those days, REA was called ASCR, but that, that's neither here nor there. And so subsequently, eventually what happened, to my understanding, is the IICRC recognized the potential issues and the, the flaw in that policy and that agreement, and then they changed it. But that was unfortunately after ASCR had already given their stock back because the fact of the matter was and the issue that was raised by ASCR was really the same issue that every other shareholder association would have, whether it be, you know, Triska, CCINW, you know, all the other, other ones that were shareholders of IICRC, is that the people that were sitting on the board at that time represented that shareholder association. And um, so, you know, when a conflict of interest come up, then maybe they would recuse themselves, but the way the language was in there, and like Cliff said, our director at the time was also an attorney, said that unless it was changed, that we couldn't sign it. And it wasn't changed, we didn't sign it, and you know, kind of the rest is history. But you know, having said all of that, you know, that was uh, over well over 20 years ago, or almost 20 years ago, and now I think it's, it's time basically to move on, and I, I think that's happening you know, by the, the constructive dialogue that's basically taking place between both organizations to uh, you know, to advance the, the mission of the, of the mutual constituents. I mean, one of the things that I have uh, always uh, alleged and, you know, stated is my opinion, and I think others support it, is that if you look at the membership of the RIA, I mean, we probably within our membership, we have, you know, more certified firms, more certified technicians, you know, buy more standards, um, have more training schools. They're all members of RIAs whether they're contractor members, vendor members, or whatever. And so we represent a very large constituent. I don't think there's any other single group in the industry that could probably make that claim when you look at our membership base. So the two organizations should, should be working together, uh, you know, for, for the mutual constituent, if nothing else, but really for the greater good. And I, I think Cliff and myself, uh, you know, we want to see that happen. Um, I, will, I will comment. One of the things... Uh, as I was listening to Cliff talk very early in the show, Joe, and, you know, the first topic that you were having to talk about was the IICRCA, I haven't heard him that excited about anything in a long time. And um, I was surprised by it but pleased by it because just listening to Cliff talk about all the initiatives and everything that the council associations are putting together, there was kind of a, just an excitement in his voice that, um, that I haven't heard in a while. It was kind of good, you know, it was good to hear that for whatever that's worth, guys. I appreciate that, and I think, you know, there's still an issue there, to be honest with you. It's very difficult. I, I was the shareholder rep for Triska this year, you know, and, and it's tough. It's like, you know, are you voting for the best interest of, of Triska, or are you voting for the best interest of the IICRC? And, and in fact, it was really disappointing that uh, I, I did mention Randy Rapp as an honorary board member, but, he, you know, he didn't get on the board, and he should have because people were voting more so for the shareholders than for the IICRC. I mean, there's a guy that, that, that should have won in a landslide, should have been on that board, but he didn't make it on, the, on that. You know, so he was added as an honorary member, 
and that's got to be fixed. I mean, if people are going there as a shareholder's rep, they've got to vote for the best of the industry and the association, in this case, the institute, the IICRC, not for their individual. But it's tough. I understand the position. It's very difficult. Cliff, I don't know if you want to comment. Oh, by the way. Well, the, the, the only comment that I have, Joan, I think it, it, it uh, meshes with what Pete said before. Conflicts of interest exist. And what you should do is, I think, recuse yourself from certain votes. And uh, I, I think that's the problem. A lot of people don't. Uh, you know, they come in with an agenda, and uh, they're not willing to uh, to realize that conflicts of interest do exist, and they're always going to exist. But there there are methods to handle them. Okay. Hey, hey, Joe, let me, let me let me dovetail off that if I could and comment on what you said as far as uh, you know, Randy and the honorary seat. I mean, being an honorary member, I, I think is okay because at the end of the day, you know, whether you have a vote or not. I don't think it's nearly as important as actually having a seat at the table and expressing your viewpoints and your opinions. I think people put too much emphasis on the importance of a vote because very rarely does anything come down to one or two votes in you know, most discussions. It, it's very rare. The most important thing is to have a seat at the table. So the fact that Randy does, you're going to get his, uh, uh, you know, his input, regardless of whether he was a voting member or not, as long as he's on the board. But look, back you know, when these issues happened, uh, we've been talking about with ASCR, the makeup of the board of the IICRC was different. It was it was a mandatory representation by each shareholder had a seat on there. You know, in the recent years, once they changed it to just 15 seats and that it wasn't mandatory and that they wanted the 15 seats to be made up of a broad-based constituent of people that can add value to the board. Remember, the Institute is a standard and certification body, um, I think that you're starting to find by having people like Randy, having people like Dr. Spivak and others, this increases the, you know, the diversity of the board. Um, it adds value to the board. It makes the board a better board. And, uh, and I like that direction uh, that it's going. So I, I wouldn't put too much into the fact that, you know, that Randy didn't get voted on. Um, as long as he has a seat in the table, you'll, you'll get his viewpoint and get his opinions. I think that was what is, what is important. Well, well that's what Right. I just would like to uh, make one minor correction. You know, we've talked about Randy Rapp and we've talked about Dr. Spivak, and uh, both of them have PhD, so it's also Dr. Rapp. And for those people who may not know, uh, Dr. Rapp is with Purdue University. Yes, and he's been on the show, and so has Dr. Spivak, and I encourage people to go back and listen. Hey, let's let's turn it over. I know it's getting a little late. I want to get John Lapoter on here. John's on the IAQA Board of Directors. John, what's, what's, uh, what, what kind of interesting new information can you bring listeners about IAQA and the, and the new merger with ASHRAE, or do you want to comment on anything we've talked about? Let's just get your, your thoughts on the industry in general. I just absolutely love the show, and today was a, a great reason why more people should be listening. This is a great place to get uh, industry information. But I wanted to comment on some of the concerns with those that may not be fully aware of what's happening with uh, ASHRAE and IAQA. ASHRAE started the relationship with IAQA in helping us with some of the standards that we were writing, one in, in particular. And uh, can you guys hear me okay? I guess I should have. Yes, sound good. Okay, perfect. Um, ASHRAE then um, submitted a proposal to become our management company. 
most importantly, what I would encourage everybody to understand is that ASHRAE took over as our management company. The merger um, is, for lack of a better term, but really they simply took over as our management company. As a management company, they have uh, a depth that we haven't had before uh, for the Indoor Air Quality Association. We have help with uh, access to additional potential members, um, the ANSI process, uh, publications, standards. It's going to be a great uh, merger, uh, but really it's more of a management position that they're taking. The IEQA will stay an independent organization. And what's interesting, John, is you didn't mention, and I think this is one that really got my attention, is that ASHRAE's got a huge, I didn't realize, I mean, I think, I want to say 16 lobbyists or something like that. Um, you know, IAQA never had access to that in the past. You know, we had uh, we had Glenn, and Glenn tried like heck to, you know, um, get our interest represented in Washington, D.C., but um, ASHRAE's got quite a... Uh, nice contingent of people working on government affairs type issues. Is that accurate? Yeah, it, it is accurate. And the Indoor Air Quality Association um, is really working to support our local states in, in their uh, political position. Um, you know, Florida went through its licensing laws, and uh, it really kind of split the association. And what the Indoor Air Quality Association doing, is doing now is they're polling the individual states to determine their position and then trying to provide the individual states with support from the association in pursuing licensing laws and written standards and so forth. So the Indoor Air Quality Association is really stepping up the support of their members at the state level. Well, what I find interesting is, and I, I think this is going to be, we'll see how it plays out. My general, um, and, and this is, I don't have any data, I don't have any research to back this, but I would think ASHRAE members in general that do building science type work and that, you know, may assess water damage projects, mold remediation projects, I don't know how thrilled they would be about licensing issues. You know, it seems like, you know, they, they may be a PE or whatever it may be, and if they got reciprocity, I think they'd be happy, whereas... What I've seen with IAQA is our membership has been kind of pro-licensing on the mold side of things, and I kind of see ASHRAE members as being possibly non-pro-licensing, you know, against licensing. What are your thoughts on that, John? I haven't seen any of that like you. I'm a member of both ASHRAE and IAQA and a member of ASHRAE well before any of the potential merger was in play. Um, I don't see a lot of the ASHRAE members in my area uh, playing into the field of, of mold assessment. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's out of their scope of work, but it's typically not within it. So I think ASHRAE probably wouldn't have much of a position either way on licensing. At least they haven't expressed that to me in, in my working in Florida on the licensing law uh, for the last you know, 10 plus years uh, and my involvement with ASHRAE. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I guess my biggest, you know, I think of Bob Baker down in, in Tampa, who's been a long-time ASHRAE, distinguished lecturer and all that, and I know he wasn't thrilled with the Florida licensing law because, you know, there were some requirements in there that he didn't meet, and he certainly is well-qualified to assess or remediate a mold project. So maybe that's where, maybe I'm a little prejudiced by, you know, knowing Bob as well as we do. Yeah, I think uh, anytime you look at a licensing law, 
um, or a, a standard. Florida is going through the process of writing their own standard of practice for mold assessment. And when I talk to some people that are clearly more than qualified, but yet don't meet the broad uh, requirements for licensing, that is a little bit difficult. The, the only thing that I try and tell people when they bring that up to me is that the licensing law is, is written with broad strokes. And it's, it's definitely going to exclude certain people. And obviously, in the state of Florida, we're probably a little more unique than any other state. If you go very far south in Florida, you don't worry about another state. They're just Florida County. But if you go to the panhandle of Florida, you're dealing with three different states like I deal with three or four different counties. The licensing law for people that are just across the state line can be a challenge. So yes. I look at the licensing law a lot differently than maybe somebody in uh, Pensacola or somebody in New York or anywhere in New England where as I go from county to county, they're going state to state. Yep. So it's, it's all relevant to each individual state um, and, and how each individual works within that state. Clearly, it's a lot easier for me to say I'm, I'm pro-licensing in Florida because I follow behind a lot of people that really make a mess of it. And by having the licensing law, the citizens of Florida now have some place to look where we can keep score and say, this guy's already got two strikes. I don't think I'd want to hire him and be the potential for it to be the third strike. Well, we could have a show on that one, John. Let's, uh, let's do this, though. Why don't we go around the horn, Cliff? I want to see if uh, – let's start with Pete. Do you have any final comments on any current event or anything we talked about today? Because we're getting ready to wrap it up here. Yeah, actually, I have a question for John. Um, If if he could comment, I'm assuming with ASHRAE uh, taking over the management of IQA, am I correct in the assumption that that also includes the management of IESO? And the reason I ask that question is that, that, you know, Joe, as you're aware, and Cliff and maybe many of the listeners, uh, the the IESO and REA have uh, uh, some shared pins to develop ANSI standards. And um, I wonder with this new management change, um, if John's able to comment on, on how that relationship uh, is affected. Sure. Well, currently there's not going to be any change in the pins and the joint uh, working of these documents. We simply pick up ASHRAE and ASHRAE's accredited ability with ANSI to expedite the ANSI approval of any standard that we work on jointly. Okay. So essentially it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. The merger with IAQA and ASHRAE and our ability to to fulfill our obligation to ANSI through the PINs and the standards and our ability to expedite the completion is a huge asset to both RIA, IAQA, and any other organization that's interested in working with the Indoor Air Quality Association and establishing industry standards. Uh, well, that, that's great news, John. So is, is, is ISO being managed as a separate entity under ASHRAE, or is it, is it just under the IAQA umbrella? It's still under the IAQA umbrella. It will remain its own entity, and it will remain an entity with the current PINs to date. Um, all of that's still being worked out as far as what's going to happen in the future. It's, it's really everything is going to stay status quo for the time being. All right. Well, that's great because we're, uh, you know, with the standards that we have been working on, one of them had went through the public review, and I think we were getting ready to move to the next phase, and then there's a couple other that we're, you know, uh, in process to want to move forward with. So 
anyway, it'll be great to see to see that move forward. Look, Joe, my final comments are great show. I think it's good, uh, you know, periodically to, to have these kinds of shows, roundtables, industry update, that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, terrific. Uh, good talking with everyone. And um, anyway, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for joining us. Cliff? I'm going to give my time to somebody else. Hey All Joe, right. how are you? Oh, hey, what's up there, Cyber Jockey? It's it's Zach Slotnick. Good to have you, Zach. Good to be here, Joe. You, uh, uh, I just uh, what? Well, I flew in from New York this morning, and well, I'm actually tired, but what? But whatever, it's all good. good it's good. Uh, it's it's good to be here. It's going to be kind of back in the studio, so to speak, just uh, chilling out. Yeah, he didn't come here to see his mom or dad. He came here for a wedding. Uh, <laughs> right. Hey, Zach, I have a question for you. What's up, Joe? Big outfit, right? Google, all right? And uh-huh. uh, I guess you're in the New York, one of the New York um, offices up there. Yes, that's do, correct. Do they, is there any discussion of like, indoor air quality? Is there any, like, literature they give you? Do they do they kind of tell you, hey, what we're doing to try and make sure you're in a better work environment at all? So, overall, uh, the local facilities team there is actually very responsive to, uh, 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 to people's questions, comments, and concerns. And, um, it's, and, and so because the office is growing and we're bringing on new spaces all the time, they send out emails uh, to everyone uh, to everyone that work in the building saying, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, it has these benefits. Uh, and, and, there, and there are links to some, um, to some indoor air quality and indoor environment um, literature. And, and do they have any, uh, I would imagine they're working on some green programs as well. Do they push those pretty hard, or is that kind of uh, something that just happens and you don't really know much about it? They're at, actually, they, they are, they're actually very aggressive about, uh, about, about pushing green, uh, I'm sorry, green programs. Uh, so, so, for example, uh, when, when, when a floor that I was working on opened up, they had these. They have these uh, displays outside the elevator. They show. They show why it's sustainable. And apparently, that that particular space was certified as Leeds Platinum. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I thought they were pretty progressive in that area. And I just, uh, while we had a chance to ask, you know, someone in the trenches there, I thought we'd go ahead and do it. Thank you for commenting, and, and always great to hear your voice. You're welcome, Joe. Anytime. All right, that's that's uh, the cyber jockey Zach Slotnick and uh, our first engineer, huh, Cliff? That's right, that's right. Well, we Frank Zappa Mata here coming in, taking over, uh, doing a good job here, and uh, things. Looking forward to some interesting changes. Frank's uh, a uh, student down at Allegheny College of Maryland, and he's in the uh, what do you what do you call that department there, Frank? Is that multimedia technology? Right up our alley, huh, Cliff? That was that was when I was in high school. Uh, it was the guy that came around with the projector. I mean, that was before <laughs> we had slides or anything else. Things have changed. Hey, let's get over to John. John Lapater, any final comments before we break it up? Uh, I would like to say support your fellow uh, industry associations. Support consolidation and working together. I, I can't stress that enough. Um, as we were just talking, the ISO, RIA, IAQA, and ASHRAE 
working together on one ANSI standard is, is huge to see us all working together like that. Um, I can't promote that continue working together uh, enough. Great stuff. Hopefully we've been able to help a little bit in that respect, huh, Cliff? Yep, we're working on it, and, and especially Pete and I. I mean, Pete and I were doing this, trying to do this before I even knew you, Joe, or before I even knew John. That's long good. time. Very good, and and it's it's been a long time coming, and it finally seems to be coming to fruition. Let's not jinx it, though, and let's uh, just keep reporting on it. All right, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Great show, they much fun. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Of course, to our engineer, Frank Zappa Amata, good job here. Uh, we, we made it through without any glitches. He's going to help me out with the uh, website updates. We're going we're to have some interesting little, little uh, changes here over the next year at IAQ Training and IAQ Radio. Looking forward to working more with Frank. We've got some videos he's working on, too, from our big conference we had here at Seven Springs, and uh, we'll probably have a couple little tweet, uh, teasers up on YouTube here fairly soon, and then uh, we'll, we'll have to figure out what to do with the full videos. But also, I want to thank John Lapoter from the uh, Board of Directors at IAQA and a great indoor environmental professional down in Florida, good friend of the show, and, of course, to the global watchdog, Pete Consigli. Thanks all for joining us for this week's episode of IAQ. Oh, and by the way, hey folks, next week, the big one, we've got Dr. Alan Zelikoff. We're going to talk about Ebola, and we're going to figure out all the all the things that haven't been figured out up to this point. We're going to try our best to put our finger on it and get it all done on a uh, one-show basis. Maybe it'll take two. We'll see, but uh, I'm looking forward to having the doc back on. He was great the first time around. So, Please come back, and uh, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying come back next Friday. That'll be, what, November 7th, I believe it'll be, for the next episode of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.